Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have tips for writing a great cover letter and a meaty middle about words such as wanna and lemme, as in I want to go to the movies and lemme at them. And if you're a Stitcher Premium subscriber, you can also get a monthly bonus episode. Access to the entire archive of Grammar Girl episodes, nearly 600 ad-free shows, and wonderful podcasts from other producers, including standalone comedy albums. Check it out at stitcherpremium.com grammar and use the code grammar for a free month to give it a try. Now, let's talk about cover letters. You may find yourself wondering if a cover letter is entirely necessary to include with a job application. After all, your resume will tell the hiring manager all about your experience, right? The truth? Not exactly. A cover letter is an important way to personalize your application and to make yourself stand out among other applicants. A good cover letter gives the company a window into who you really are and conveys why you're the right person for the position. Here's how to write a cover letter that will get you noticed. Number one, conduct research. It's important to remember that you shouldn't use the same cover letter when applying to multiple jobs. To accomplish this and before you begin writing, ensure you understand the company's mission and vision, what the position you're applying for entails, and to whom you are writing. Some of this information can be found in the job posting, but go beyond that to verify that you have the full picture. How big is the company? What's it known for? What challenges does it face? Be thorough and double-check your facts. Making what may seem like a small mistake to you will be glaring to the person reading your letter. 2. Illustrate why you're the right fit for the company, but don't overdo it. It's often advised to start your cover letter with an attention-grabbing statement. This can work, but there's a fine line between earnest and desperate. For example, it's great to tell a brief story about a personal connection you have to the company or its mission, but it has to be interesting, genuine, and brief. If you don't have a real connection, focus on your skills and how they align with the company's goals. 3. Be concise but informative. You should never submit a cover letter longer than one page. It should also fit comfortably on one page, not crammed in with reduced margins. Make it easy to read by avoiding long sentences and breaking up long paragraphs. Your letter could be a fascinating work of prose, but if it looks dense and difficult to read, it may hurt your chances of getting it noticed. Also, avoid including excessive details about your education or work experience. Your resume will offer all the details, and you can reference that in your letter. Why should they read your letter if they can get the same information from your resume? Make better use of the short space you have in your letter by letting your personality and passion come through. 4. Elaborate on your skills in your cover letter. Read the job listing carefully to figure out what's most important to the employer regarding this position. Then, highlight the experience you've had that shows your skills in that area. Focus on keywords and phrases in the listing that match your background. For example, do they need someone with a, quote, proven history of success in building a social media presence, unquote? If so, highlight how you've doubled your former employer's Twitter following by increasing customer engagement. Use specifics and numbers to tell your story if you can do so without going into too much detail. 
Give them a teaser and save the rest of the story for the interview. 5. Don't include inauthentic language. If you're insincere in your praise of the company, it'll come across clearly to the hiring manager. Your reader will see past language that doesn't have real passion behind it, and your letter may be passed over more easily. Describe why you're interested in working for the company, but ensure your language is genuine and sincere. If job postings say a cover letter is optional, it's generally a good idea to include one anyway. Chances are other applicants will submit one, and having a cover letter to accompany your resume will help your potential employer better envision you in the position. That segment was written by Laura Vegman, a contributing writer for Varsity Tutors, which is a live learning platform that connects students with personalized instruction to accelerate academic achievement. And now, on to contractions. How can words that native speakers say every day not be real words in most dictionaries? Forms like hafta, kaina, and wecha tend not to be entries in dictionaries, but native speakers know what they mean. In fact, it would be a challenge to find an American who doesn't pronounce have to, kind of, and what are you in this way daily. If you're learning English, should you avoid these informal contractions? If you're a native speaker, are there appropriate and inappropriate times to use such words if they are in fact real words? First, let's review what a contraction is. Hint, I just said one in the last sentence. Let's. This is a contraction of the words let us. Other common examples are it's instead of it is. Can't instead of cannot. And haven't instead of have not. In other words, a contraction is a shortened form of two or more words. Contractions are considered informal, and so it's not appropriate to use them in formal essays or other official writing. That means avoid contractions in school essays and cover letters when you're applying for a job. On the other hand, contractions are fine to use in emails to friends and family or in other informal writing situations. Contractions like won't and couldn't are undisputably real words, but a bunch of other contractions trigger the squiggly lines that word processing programs put under problematic usage. The computer does not like any of the informal contractions discussed in this episode. Kinda, wanna, whatcha, hafta, gimme, lemme, and gonna are just a few examples of this type of contraction. All are marked incorrect. Sorry, computer program, these are real things that people say. But, computer program, you are right that these words should, for the most part, not be written. More on that in a bit. What do both a hard copy dictionary and an online dictionary say about these words? The American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, a 2,074-page book sitting on the shelf, contains no entries for kinda, whatcha, hafta, or lemmy. There are entries for three of them, wanna, gimme, and gonna, and these entries state that they're informal contractions of want to, give me, and going to, respectively. The online version of the Oxford Dictionary does have entries for these other four words. According to the website, the word kinda has been around since the early 20th century. The same online dictionary calls whatcha a non-standard contraction. 
Hafta, on the other hand, is called informal. The online dictionary has no problem with lemmy either, which is just noted as a contraction. So if contractions are, by definition, informal, you could say that informal contractions are extra informal, and they're spoken more often than they're written. You won't get any points for these words if you try to play them in Scrabble or words with friends either. If you're learning English and are in an English-speaking country, you'll hear informal contractions everywhere. Those who've learned a foreign language in a classroom and then have gone to a country where the language is spoken might have had the experience mentioned by Mr. John R. Rickford in the front matter of the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language. This professor of linguistics at Stanford writes, quote, We master textbook Spanish and land in Mexico to encounter a welter of words, pronunciations, and grammatical twists we never even dreamed existed, unquote. And so it is with English, as exemplified by these informal contractions. Even if someone is reading a piece of text out loud, and the writing contains a phrase like going to or kind of, it's highly likely that the native speaker will pronounce these as gonna and kinda. It's also highly likely that no English as a Second Language textbook lists these as valid and common words. When foreign language learners can use contractions like these, they'll sound more natural than if they stiffly enunciate every syllable. So ESL students, try saying, I'm going to go out to the movies, instead of, I'm going to go out to the movies. As for native speakers, it would be impossible to stop saying things like hafta and lemmy in our everyday lives. There's no need for us to curb that tendency unless we're speaking in a formal situation. On the other hand, there aren't too many occasions when writing those words is a good idea. One acceptable place to throw in a gimme or a wanna is in a text or email to a friend. The only other good place to write that sort of informal contraction is if you're writing a novel in which you're trying to capture the real way that your characters speak. Mark Twain was a master. Just open up The Adventures of Tom Sawyer or The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and you'll see all sorts of interesting phrases and contractions that aren't in the dictionary. An example quoted in Bartlett's familiar quotations from Huck Finn is, quote, We said there weren't no home like a raft, after all. Other places do seem so cramped up and smothery, but a raft don't. You might feel free and easy and comfortable on a raft, unquote. Well, we have to go now. Hope you kind of liked this episode. Let me know if you have any questions. That segment was written by Bonnie Mills, author of The Curious Case of the Misplaced Modifier, who blogs at sentencesleuth.blogspot.com. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all my articles and old podcasts at quickanddirtytips.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. 